This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 399. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by Matthew Marister. <coughs> yeah, this is a... It's the COVID nineteen introduction. No, I don't have I don't have swine flu or whatever it is this year. It's I'm good. a good thing we're doing this remotely, brother. <laughs> no, of course, I'm good. Uh, you know the Concealed Carry podcast practiced social distancing before <laughs> social distancing was cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember the last time Jacob and I recorded an episode in the same room together. So, well, I guess we did do that kind of hybrid episode. Uh, at the conclusion of the Mountain Man Medical Summit, training summit that we did. We, we recorded that, obviously, together, but uh, that was kind of a, a, that was a, a non-normal podcast episode, that's for sure. So, welcome to today's show. Uh, I did not imagine that we would be recording episodes 399 and later this week, 400, under basically nationwide quarantine. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's that's fake news. It's not officially a nationwide quarantine, but uh, crazy stuff you know, going on. And, and these are crazy times we live in, for sure. Uh, there's, you know things changing day by day uh new policies and things being enacted recommendations and all this stuff and more and more of you are working from home uh you know working remotely tele telecommuting whatever you call it and uh of course got kids at home too so you know my kids are upstairs they're all actually a couple of them are outside having recess (laughs) that's the best part of the day for them and for mom and dad uh, and, uh, you know, but they've been gathered around the kitchen table and they've each got, uh, laptops out. Uh, I forgot I even had that many. <laughs> <laughs> I had the realization, well, one of the kids gets a, a Chromebook through school. It's uh, provided through a grant that they rent for the year. And then, uh, my son's got access to a laptop and, and then, uh, the other, I think is using my wife's, uh, when she needs it. And, you know, it's got me wondering it's like you realize how much you actually can do virtually and why do we even go to school in person anymore okay actually for parents because i'm a parent it's good that we send kids away to school or we we might just murder them yeah (laughs) that's a joke um and then, uh, but you look at like the universities and colleges, like so many of them have canceled in-person classes and are doing things remotely. And then you're looking at, okay, so why does secondary in, in higher up, you know, education, why does it cost so much again? You know, and why didn't we start doing more of this before? Yeah. Anyway, guys, uh, today's episode, we are talking about COVID-19's effect on gun rights. There were a lot of really important stuff in today's episode, uh, so stick around because you're going to want to know about this stuff going on, and some of this could affect you. Uh, also, today, we're going to be talking about, uh, we've got a bunch of legislative updates from around the country, some various things being proposed, both good and bad, so we obviously want to stay abreast of those things as well 
And today's episode is made possible and brought to you by our partners at Laser App. Uh, actually part of the Shooter Technology Group, laserapp.com. That is spelled, by the way, L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com. We say laser or L-A-S-R because uh, it stands for Laser Activated Shot Reporter. And I, I'm a huge fan of the Laser App software, as is Jacob. I think Matthew's kind of a fan. and <laughs> Yeah, no, I, uh, I love it. And actually, they're our primary uh, a partner and sponsor of the Shooter Ready Challenge, which I just filmed uh, this this month's Shooter Ready Challenge yesterday. That'll go live later today. And this month's is the Plate Rack Challenge. Uh, it's basically a plate rack drill, and it's a, it's a good one. It's a lot of fun. So we'll talk about that here momentarily, but we also have a new sponsor of the Shooter Ready Challenge, an official new sponsor of the, of the challenge. We we're already kind of using their products a little bit in there, but that is Next Level Training and their amazing CERT pistol, uh, which we're huge fans of. So been using the CERT combined with the Laser App software for years, I have personally. Uh, I purchased those products a long time ago personally because I believed in them and they've made a difference for me in my dry fire practice and in developing crucial shooting skills. Uh, you can learn more about, again, Laser App, laserapp.com, L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com. Also, nextleveltraining.com. And we also have our ammunition, our official ammunition sponsor of pretty much everything we do, uh, especially our Guardian Nation program, but they are also on board with the Shooter Ready Challenge in that participants, okay, if you participate through the Laser X version of the Laser App software, you'll automatically be entered into a giveaway to win 200 rounds of 9 mil. Okay, which is that stuff is primo right now. Right now, yeah. Right. In fact, I'll tell you this much: ASW is out of stock now. I know that they've got just enough uh, stuff laying around here and there that if you know somebody wins uh, the two hundred rounds, that they, they they can you know they can get they can scrape together those two hundred rounds and get that to you. Uh, but you'll want to be checking their site on a daily basis and make sure you're on their new newsletter too, um, so you can know when they are in stock next with ammunition, and you can go online there at ammosupplywarehouse.com and buy. It's a good thing I just ordered a thousand rounds of Federal Syntec 150 grain for shooting competition and stuff, um, like maybe a week or so ago from them. And uh, well, I guess it's been about two weeks. Uh, boy, I got that order in just in time. Although I'm kind of kicking myself for not doubling or tripling <laughs> that order because uh, everything's gone right now. Uh, so, speaking of the shoot ready challenge. Um, Matthew, have you ever shot a plate rack? I have, sir. Yes, I have. You don't need to use sir. It's way too <laughs> formal here. If anything, you're, you're the old man of the group, so I've got to call <laughs> you sir. Um, all right. So, I mean, just, just I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but tell, tell us about shooting a plate rack. Like, like, what are some of your tips, I guess, or, or how does that go, you know, uh, from a skill perspective? You know, I, I, I mean, so... It's shooting steel and typically plate racks are steel, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I know uh, New Bowl Targets has a really cool plate rack that's shoot through polymer. But when we're talking about shooting a plate rack, we're usually talking about shooting steel. And shooting steel is always fun because 
you know, you get that instantaneous feedback, you see the target go down. So there's that element of it. Um, but having a plate rack is kind of cool because um, it, it, it kind of engages a lot of different things, right? So you can, you can work on trans, um, uh, you know, transitions to different targets. Uh, you can, it, it's very easy to time, you know, time those things. Um, and, you know, when you take a plate rack and I guess you turn it vertical, you have a dueling tree and that's fun because you can actually shoot uh, with somebody and kind of go down the line and try to beat them in, in, in that sort of way. So you can do it on a plate rack system too. Um, but it's just, it, it's a different aspect of shooting rather than just shooting the paper targets. It, it kind of gives you a different dynamic, I guess. Yep. I love shooting steel, you know, cause it's that instant feedback. It's that yeah. ping. It's that pew, pew, ping, ping, ding, <laughs> ding. You know, it just, uh, it feels good. It warms the soul, you know, <laughs> It, it you know we, everybody gets a kick out of shooting a gun and and the bang right well maybe not everybody but I mean I think most you know gun people do and so it's like two you know two birds with one stone it's 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 you know a lot of bang for your buck when you get a bang and a ping so uh, I love shooting steel and plate racks are fun because I mean you got multiple targets you can go through it pretty quickly um, and. and you know, and it's a good way to practice and work on transitions. And that's what this month's Shooter Ready Challenge is all about. When you really, you know, boil it down is it's it's about good transitions. Um, that's the key to shooting a plate rack quickly and successfully and accurately. Because I've definitely seen shooters, and I've been one of those, where you start, you get rolling on a plate rack. And you're like, oh, cool. There's one. There's two. Maybe you get that third one, and you're feeling pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. And psychologically, <laughs> uh, you, you get to where you're like, oh, it's going so good, and you sort of check out a little bit. Like you just think, like, I'm awesome. I am amazing. I'm the greatest shooter on planet Earth. And then target four, target five, target six. You're like, miss, miss, miss. You go back, miss again, miss. Ah, blah, blah, blah. Like that's I've I've done that many times. Oh yeah. <laughs> so the and the reason why that happens is because we lose focus a little bit, and focus is key. Uh, and we lose focus in terms of we we stop making as precise as good transitions, but that also leads to us uh, losing track of important things like sights. Uh, if you don't see your sights or if you can't aim the gun effectively, then you are going to miss those plates. Uh, so, trans. So, but when we talk about shooting a plate rack uh, effectively and quickly. Uh, you know, obviously, you can you can only hit those those plates as fast as you can aim the gun and press the trigger without disturbing your aiming. Um, but then the rest of it comes down to those transitions between plate to plate to plate to plate. Now, a caution: many times people will. The temptation is to try to just sweep the gun across those plates, and basically, what you're doing is you're timing the trigger at that point. So you're just you have one uh, continuous motion across the plates. And you just go bop, 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 bop with the trigger. And while that definitely can work very well and very quickly, if you're very skilled at it and you're particularly skilled with that timing, for most shooters, it's a great way to fail at shooting a plate rack. So I much prefer to teach and also to practice good, quick, short little transitions where you are you shoot that first plate and you transition right over that second plate, all right? And that transition 
it is a great place to either lose or gain time uh, compared to other shooters. So uh, you either lose time because you take a shot on the first target and you sort of hang out there for a minute waiting to confirm that you actually hit the plate. And meanwhile, the gun has cycled and recovered and you're back on target and then you transition. So you lose a lot of time there or you get on that first target, you take a shot and immediately once that shot is taken, you're transitioning over to the second plate uh, and then the third and then the fourth and so forth. So you want that transition to be occurring as much as possible while the gun is in motion, while things are, are cycling and recoiling and then settling down to where you can get that next sight picture. Timing again can work, but I, the, the challenge too with timing is it, it's really more of a competition oriented skill. Uh, it's not something that you would practice in a defensive context as far as I'm just going to sweep across these guys and try to time my trigger presses so I can just sweep, bang, 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 and hit all these bad guys. Uh, the only way that would be appropriate is if you absolutely had nothing in your backstop or, you know, behind, beyond the targets that you were concerned about and you could just let it rip with a fully automatic or something, you know, <laughs> but, uh, no, the, the, the realistic, uh, real world skill is to address a target and then transition quickly to your next target. And then you're, and then you're focused on that target. You're shooting that target. And when you're done with that target, you're transitioning over to your next target. All right, and so learning transitions on a plate rack is a is a great way of learning those transitions. Yeah, I, can't I think of a better way, frankly. And I'm glad you kind of uh, qualified that because I know there's a lot of people that listen to the show in their concealed carry mindset, and maybe they don't um, shoot competition at all, right? And they're like, ah, plate rack, it's you know, it, it's a competition thing, right? Like, just like you said, I'm not going to be shooting three guys' heads that are all the same distance, and I'm just, you know, mowing them down with a fully automatic firearm, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're like, sometimes the, the, the idea is to say, well, I'm not going to do that because it's not directly, I can't see the direct connection to self-defense, right? Uh, self-defense. But when, when you break it down to the skill set that you're trying to build by doing, uh, by shooting a plate rack, right? Like we're, that, that's not a, that's not a scenario, right? That's, that's, we're building a skill and you're practicing a skill that then you apply in other contexts and, and that's what we're building. So, um, for, for people that might sometimes look at certain things like, you know, I don't use a timer because you don't have, you know, there, nobody's going to give you a beep and we're not going to have a timer in a gunfight. Well, you kind of do have a timer because typically the first guy who gets good shots on target usually wins, not all the time, but so, you, so there is, a, you know, a, a set time, but, um, but don't discount you know, do running specific drills like this, because it don't think of that as a, as a scenario, think of it as I'm building this skill because that's what you're doing. And then you can apply that skill in, in other contexts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good thoughts there. Really good question, by the way, from Diane here on Facebook, she asks, how far away do you usually shoot at a plate rack? It's a great question because, uh, if you're shooting steel targets in particular, uh, Safety is really key. We're not talking about firearm safety. We're talking about safety as it relates to using and shooting at that steel. I see a lot of things propagated on the internet from people shooting steel that really don't know what they're doing and uh, really put, put, potentially putting themselves at risk. Uh, 
you know, from getting fragments or even sometimes pretty whole bullets coming back at them because they they do stupid stuff with steel. Now, I don't want to completely derail the rest of today's episode, but I'll just say, Diane, I, f- I recommend you follow the recommendations of the manufacturer of the steel. All right, now a common rule of thumb uh, that I'm familiar with on shooting pistol steel, this is assuming non, uh, non-frangible ammunition. With frangible, you can get really, really, really close. Uh, but uh, most people aren't typically shooting frangible steel or frangible ammo at steel. So, you know, just typical jacketed, uh, uh, either hollow point or full metal jacket bullets, uh, 12 rounds or, or 12 yards or further back is, is a good rule of thumb. I have occasionally broken that a little bit and set things up at more like 10 yards, but it can get it can start getting pretty dicey and pretty sketchy. So twelve rounds and greater for typical pistol steel is a what I would say a general rule of thumb. Fifteen yards is safer. Uh, but follow recommendations of the manufacturer of the steel you're shooting. Now, for rifle and stuff, that it typically is quite a bit further back. Mm-hmm. But yeah. today we're talking pistol stuff. Uh, so 12, 15 yards is usually usually pretty good. And if you get closer than that, it's recommended you're using frangible ammunition. An alternative is to use something like new bold targets, which Matthew kind of mentioned there, which are a self-healing, sealing, uh, like silicone type uh, shooting target. And uh, they have like a plate rack type setup i think matthew even has one mm-hmm. and you can shoot you know because there's no fragmentation occurring when the bullet impacts the surface of those the bullets just passing through uh you could shoot those you know right up at point blank uh and actually that has some some value because here's the thing the the further back from a target when you're practicing transitions uh the, the less that the less of an angle that transition is. So if you can get closer, you can make transitions and angles greater. Uh, So like on a plate rack, typically your transitions aren't very big. Uh, That's not a a big deal. Um, You know, you can certainly set up different things to practice bigger, wider transitions. But if you can set up like new bold targets, you can get really close, like three yards and still have like six plates up. uh, And you can, you can then have quite a bit. It's a, it's a very different feeling when you shoot, uh, plate racks up closer like that than when you're further back. Yeah. And another thing about those uh, shoot through polymer plate racks and stuff, you can shoot those at indoor range too. So that that's a benefit as well. Yep. All right. Good stuff. All right. Let's move on to today's news. Uh, First big thing here is, Oh, you know what? Hold on. What am I doing? I forgot. Little promo, Shooter Ray Challenge. We spent all that time talking about all that stuff. <laughs> Guys, if you want to participate in the Shooter Ray Challenge, make sure you head it over to ShooterReadyChallenge.com. Okay? ShooterReadyChallenge.com. And again, the, the latest one that was just filmed yesterday, it should be live on the site there sometime towards the end of the day. All right? So that video is being processed and uploaded and all that stuff probably as we speak. So shooterreadychallenge.com to participate and have a chance to win 200 rounds of free 9mm ammo from ammosupplywarehouse.com. Okay, now to the news. First, big legislative story, Champaign, Illinois, first locality to cite, quote, emergency powers, end quote, to ban gun transfers. Uh, So this is actually according to the NRAILA.org site. 
and says that an ordinance was passed. And this it says today, but this is actually last Friday. So, you know, four days, five days, whatever ago now. Uh, the ordinance was passed in Champaign, Illinois, to empower the mayor to, quote, order the discontinuance of selling, distributing, dispensing, or giving away of firearms or ammunition of any character whatsoever, end quote. Hmm. Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, what do you guys think about this? This is... I. I this blows me away. Like we have all of these other measures being taken, right? People are told to shelter in place, to self quarantine, to not go to work, restaurants being shut down to, you know, you know, dining indoors, uh, gyms, movie theaters, bars, other social events and, and big gatherings, all this stuff being shut down. And then we start seeing these, dictator-like cities and mayors, because this is not the only one, and I've got a series of stories. We're not going to go over each individual story, but I'm going to mention what they are, and all the links to all of these will be in the show notes of today's episode. we got all these cities and potentially states pa- trying to pass temporary orders uh, and restrictions on sometimes the uh, pur- purchasing, transferring, or even, in the case of New Orleans, which that's the next one here that I'll mention, uh, transporting, it said, transporting firearms. Yeah. What is going on? Like, what? This is, this is very much like Hurricane Katrina when mm-hmm. similar things were done in, in fact, they did even straight up confiscations in some instances in New Orleans following Hurricane Katrina. Where are we going next with this, Matthew? Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy because on the one hand, you have the federal government or the state government or the local government saying, you know, uh, we want you guys to, you know, be self-sufficient and, and close down and, and, and do those things and, you know, make sure that you have, you know, a week's worth of supplies and, and things don't panic. But, you know, um, but on the other hand, they want to make you not self-sufficient and completely reliant on the government for protection. And, and I was thinking about this the other day and obviously we'll talk about it, but this isn't the first time that stuff like this happens. Right. Um, But I was thinking about yesterday and trying to think about if I was still a police officer working and, you know, or maybe you're a EMT and you might have coronavirus or you're going to these places and you're dealing with transients, you're dealing with uh, old age homes, right? You're going in there, you're dealing with domestic disputes and you're concerned about either getting coronavirus or spreading it to people that you're there to help, right? And so it, could, it wouldn't be out of the ordinary to think that staffing levels of police departments would plummet if multiple officers got infected with it, right? Mm-hmm. So because they, they would not be able to go and, and, and respond to certain calls. So on the one hand, we're overtaxing the ability to for EMT service or medical service or a police service and saying, look, I mean, there may be a situation where we won't be able to respond with our normal, you know, five minute normal response time, right? It could be 10 minutes an hour. Um, and at the same time, we're creating this intense hysteria over toilet paper and water and things. And then we're going to, we're going to kind of turn the screws on you guys and not allow you to have firearms, purchase 
extra ammunition uh, or transport firearms around. Um, we're not going to allow you to uh, apply for a concealed handgun license. And I, I understand their skeleton crews and stuff like that, but it just doesn't seem consistent. It just, it, it seems like you're, you, they want to do one thing, but they're saying something else. Mm-hmm. You got it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Yeah. Meanwhile, you have, I just saw a story this morning from San, no, LA, uh, LA County is releasing prisoners early <laughs> and increasing aggregate bond amounts. So what that means so that you have to be arrested for a crime that's, a, you know, a, a bigger crime with a higher bond amount or what would be a higher bond amount before they consider putting you in jail. Uh, and holding you there, you know, uh, and so in the in the logic behind all this is that the jail is a uh, the prisoners there are a, a vulnerable population because there's a lot of them in relatively confined spaces, and so we've got to release prisoners early and put fewer people and arrest fewer people to put them in jail because we're concerned about them getting coronavirus. So you're going to start seeing more and more of that even combined with greater restrictions and limitations on the possessing, transferring, purchasing, and transporting of firearms and ammunition, uh, plus with what you said about first responders and police officers in particular potentially getting ill, and then they're forced to quarantine as well. And keep in mind, we're talking 14 days minimum it's a long time to take people out of out of a police force, you know. And if you get an, a a good enough crowd of them, a, a, particularly in a smaller agency, it can have a big time impact. So more potential criminals on the streets, less police officers, and potentially in some jurisdictions like Champaign, Illinois. New Orleans. What are some of the others here? Hold on. I got the whole list. Actually, this is probably not everything, but this is the ones, these are the ones I was able to find. So, New Orleans mayor is attempting to do the same thing and actually has gone a step further as far as saying that she wants to limit the transporting of firearms. Crazy. Washington state could be included in this. Uh, and the state, and there's some other things here. Oh, not so much in. Excuse me, let me correct correction on the Washington State thing. That's a story about how uh, some counties in Washington State, it's still related, by the way, some counties are putting a hold on processing permits Mm -hmm. and permit renewals for concealed carry permits. Also, the same uh, firearm permits in Massachusetts being put on hold. I've heard reports of some counties here in Colorado. I think it was Douglas County, maybe even, or maybe, no, it was Arapahoe County that was, uh, they put up a notice saying that there may be a delay to them processing permits uh, and not even allowing people to come in to do fingerprinting for those permits. So now what we have are people unable to get permits, unable to maybe even get permits renewed. Then they're not able to legally carry. And you see where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. All of this over a virus. Yeah. Social distancing, crowd size uh, or gathering size limitations, quarantines, etc. cetera, are all even even some of those by the way I think are controversial 
and debatable as to whether uh, uh, they are appropriate or not. Some of the some of the steps that are being taken, like the city of San Francisco, talking now about a twenty four hour. Uh, quarantine essentially for the city but putting the city on lockdown and they're saying for weeks right so so all of that though is more understandable even when it's not but it's more understandable than when we have politicians and governments trying to limit second amendment rights right which is not even relevant to stopping coronavirus it's just an opportunity to take advantage of people in these vulnerable times uh, to take advantage of the increased emotional state of things and to not let a good crisis go to waste, take full advantage to advance their own version of gun control. Well, and I need to to tell you this because what you just touched on is exactly, I'm going to read you something. And if you guys uh, listening haven't read the the ordinance, uh, everything that the city of Champaign um, passed, but I just want, they went through and they talked about the advantages of the bill passing or, you know, the, the council bill passing and the disadvantages and then the advantages of it not passing and the disadvantages of it not passing. And I just want to read one thing and this will give you guys an idea. The, this is in alternative two, which would not pass this bill. So this is the disadvantages of this bill. If this bill did not pass. Um, and here's this, here's the circular reasoning. Um, the failure to pass the ordinance might send a message that the situation was of diminished importance. Mm-hmm. So that's complete circular reasoning. Like we must pass this so they know that this is very important, even if they don't think it's important. So they, they're not allowed to think it's not important, right? Or, or, or not to the level of, of suspending Second Amendment rights, because if they don't think that it's to that level, then that's a bad thing. Then we can't pass it. Right. So it's like, we don't care what the people think. They might think it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's important, but I don't want to give up my second amendment rights. Well, the disadvantage of that would, we wouldn't be able to prove that it's so bad. So this is that circular reasoning, exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's kind of creating a hysteria out of things. And, and I think the danger is, is that, it's 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 important, right? Like we don't want elderly people to to to, to die unnecessarily. We don't want overburden healthcare facilities and things like that. And so there is a concern, but we also don't want people losing constitutionally protected rights and fighting over a roll of toilet paper. And I think in the middle is somewhere where we should be, but all the media and all this, this emergency declarations and stripping people of rights is putting it in this hysteria column and nobody knows where it is. And, and I think some people get cynical, almost like a boy who cries wolf. Like it's not this bad. It's not as bad as what people think. And, you know, so it's, I just, it's hard to see what is truth and what is political spin at this point, I think. Yep. Comment from Steven on YouTube here. He says, everything is shutting down. Businesses, government facilities, everything. This isn't anti-gun any more than it's anti-pizza. It takes humans to process things. Humans need to stay away. Okay, so I understand what Steven's saying here, but it's not quite that simple. And there's some reasons why. Let me explain, Stephen, why this, why these sorts of things are a problem. Uh, in some, in many states, where particularly where permits are, 
are issued they're sh- they are shall issue states so you know you have a basically the idea number one i think the idea of permits is stupid to begin with but in the case where you have a permit then what you're saying is you have a constitutional right to carry this gun concealed and on your person you do have to apply, to apply for and get this stupid permit to exercise that right but all right so you jump through the hoops you do all of that okay but now all of a sudden you have a situation, and, and, and so a lot of these states have actually laws in the books that say the sheriff's offices have to process these things. And a lot of them have deadlines, like the state of Colorado, you have 90 days that things have to be processed in. And if you're limiting people to even being able to go in and complete the application and submit fingerprints, then people can't apply. And so you're saying you can't exercise this this Second Amendment right because we won't let you come in because of coronavirus. Now, now I get that, sort of, but here's the thing. Here's what they're not doing. They're not suspending temporarily the requirement to get these permits, which they totally could do. If you're going to tell me that you can't come in and apply for a permit so you so I can carry a gun concealed, then you need to also pass an emergency, uh, whether it's an ordinance in the case of a city, whether it's a state uh, statute, you know, uh, uh, an executive order, whatever it is, you got to pass something that then says for 30 days, 60 days, or however long that these offices are shut down, we're suspending the requirement for you to have a permit to carry. That's what you should do if you're going to say, I can't come in and apply, or that you can't process the permit paperwork. That's what you not should, but must do. All right. Besides, again, the whole idea of permits is stupid and pointless to begin with. I, I totally 100% believe in constitutional carry. Um, I had one other thought, but it's gone. Now, <laughs> one other story. Um, Actually, sort somewhat related. Uh, the th- there's reports of some Walmart stores not selling ammo due to COVID nineteen. There's a post. Mm-hmm. The link will be in the show notes where uh, it, it says that due to the current state of things, that they're temporarily not processing ammunition sales. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, yeah. now, is it possible that these could be Walmart stores in jurisdictions like where we just been talking about, where these maybe mayors or these cities have have uh, restricted ammo sales, and these these stores are just simply complying with that because that's all right. You know, the the store probably has to comply with that, regardless if it's constitutional or not. Um, or is Walmart in some cases choosing to not sell ammo to people? That would be more concerning, in my opinion. Now, one other thing. This was the thought I, I, when I said I forgot something. Diane here has a question. Why doesn't anyone take these gun grabbers, so whether it's a city, whether it's a county, whether it's a state, to court? And here's the thing. I'm sure you could try, but you will probably not be able to get that moved through the court system fast enough for there to be any benefit to suing the city, county, state or federal government for that matter, uh, because by the time this is all done and over with, like it's, 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 it's not going to last that long. So they, of course they're emboldened in passing things like this, various executive orders and ordinances and things, because they know there's not time for there to be a court remedy. You could try to get emergency injunctions, but at the same time, the courts are shutting down because Mm -hmm. of coronavirus. So you got that problem. So basically it comes down to, you can't, 
you can't try to sue probably successfully in considering the circumstances because number one, this is expected to probably not last that long ultimately. And number two, there's not a court system sufficiently in place probably to process it in the first place. Another problem for sure. Um, anyway, we need to, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just have a quick question. And in, in I, if if Steven's still listening, I in I haven't really understood now. Like, I understand if the idea is uh, to close down places where people gather, right? Like restaurants and things that are unnecessary. You can still get food. You can carry it out. You can you can um, you know carry out drive through all that stuff. I I, I get that. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm missing the connection to where I can no longer purchase a firearm or ammunition. Like, it, it, because here's the thing, if emergency services do become overtaxed and they cannot help the average citizen, just like in Hurricane Katrina, right? When, uh, where the police just basically pulled out and said, Hey, we can't do anything, um, to protect you guys. I, I, I much I mean, I can survive if I don't have pizza, I can make food and I have, you know, food at home. Um, I don't have to go out to get food from a restaurant, but I can't survive if people are trying to take away my livelihood or, you know, break in and, and, and steal things, loot things from, from, from my home or, or harm me if I don't have a firearm and they do. So I'm, I'm not connecting the, the connection of the firearm or sale of ammunition to COVID-19. And I just, I don't, I don't see the connection. So if there is, I mean, I'm not saying that there isn't, I just don't, maybe I'm too dumb to understand it. But I, I just don't, I don't see it. I see it actually the opposite, where people should be able to mm-hmm. have uh, access to firearms and ammunition. So I, I don't know if somebody has an answer for me. Um, I, I, you know, I'd love to hear it because I, I. Well, the answer is like I said, this is just an opportunity for the, for these politicians that are already anti-gun to take advantage of a good crisis. That's that's what it is. That's that's all it is. I think there, there's no relationship. There's no logical argument you know on the face of well people being able to buy guns and ammo or carrying them around with them is making our communities less safe so we've got to tamp that down right (sighs) criminals will do of course whatever they want if anything you're right people should be more encouraged excuse me to uh carry guns with them uh for personal defense Anyway. And, and I and I guess if you get arrested for carrying a gun in in violation of one of these ordinances, you could say, well, uh, prisons are very you know containing. There's a lot of people. I don't want to catch COVID nineteen, and I think that's the idea is to release prisoners. So uh, I, I don't want you. I don't want you to arrest me. You can s- cite me, and I'll appear in court some other time. But don't arrest me. <laughs> I don't know. All right, we got to move along. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I know we could go. And, and by the way, I wouldn't even mind almost doing a whole episode just talking about. Uh, not just coronavirus and COVID-19, but stuff like this, you know, pandemic type stuff. Because do you think this is the only time or the, the last time you're going to see this in your lifetime? No, nah, I think there's definitely a strong, I mean, we've already seen, we've saw, we've seen SARS, we've seen MERS, you know, swine flu, Ebola, and, and those didn't really amount to much, but they, they, you, you get the right mutation of a virus in the right circumstances and you end up where we are. And the reality is coronavirus is not, it's, it's not Ebola. 
That's for sure, right? It's not killing the vast majority of people it, it it infects. But but we so I mean but we are kind of freaking out disproportionately in some ways. It, it is important that we get this under control. That is, there's no doubt about that, and it is absolutely a threat. I've got people in my family. I've got people I care about. I've got neighbors. I got fellow church members that are absolutely at risk. Uh, you know, as, as far as their lives, if they contract this thing, I'm concerned about that, just like many of you are, as we probably should. But for sure, when we're taking something so far as to um, basically gun grabbing and gun controlling, uh, confiscation level type or almost stuff, it, this, this is going way too far. Absolutely, it is. Into the panic buying, I see a lot of comments here today about all the ammunition people, you know, long lines, uh, uh, store shelves uh, not stocked. And we're not just talking about TP, we're talking about ammunition and, and whatnot. Yeah, well, this, this is what you get when you get uh, uncertainty and panic and unrest. Um, fortunately, you know, I'm, I'm in good shape where I am. I've got, I've got what I need. Would I like to have more? Sure. I'd like to have more, you know, is there that thing, that little feeling in the back of my mind? That's like, you know, what if this lasts longer? Do I have enough ammo to last not just weeks or months, but years? Probably not, but you know what? It's not going to, I don't think it's going to go that level. But this is this whole thing is a is a great reminder of I think a a not just a need but really almost a moral obligation uh, that we that we owe ourselves and we owe our families and our children to be better prepared. Uh, you know, because it it could be a tornado that hit Nashville and 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 parts of Tennessee. You know, just a week or two ago, it could be a hurricane. It could be an earthquake. It could be severe flooding. It could be a pandemic. We we have a I believe a moral obligation to, to again to ourselves to and to our families, mm-hmm. um, and also to our communities because it does nobody any good when it gets like this. And and I understand we probably can't ultimately we can't probably change enough of society to really make a, a, a big influence or, uh, you know, uh, uh, with what I'm saying here. But I think this is, you know, I, I, those that are with, that are within the sound of my voice, I, I hope and encourage you uh, that particularly once things settle down, that you take steps to protect yourselves, that, to prepare yourselves, uh, to keep this from being a bigger problem for you in the future. We got to move on, really, now, for sure. <laughs> okay, so we got uh, state roundup news, and the, these stories will go pretty fast. Uh, New, New Hampshire, House passes more anti-gun bills. Uh, House bills 1608, 1349, 1374, 1285, and 1143. Some Kind of some key points on what some of these are. Um, House Bill 1608 bans the manufacture, possession, transfer, sale, purchase, receipt, or import of magazines capable of holding more than 15 rounds of ammunition for a handgun and greater than 10 rounds of ammunition for a long gun. Oh, goody, another magazine capacity limit. Mm-hmm. House Bill 1349 uses taxpayer dollars to establish a committee to create anti-gun propaganda to further erode the rights of law-abiding individuals by mandating strict one-size-fits-all storage requirements. By the way, we have a similar thing on 
the docket right now going through, trying to go through here in Colorado. Okay, so a, a, a must store your gun safely and unloaded and with handgun lock type, you know, or a trigger lock type stuff. Um, yeah. House Bill 1374 in New Hampshire will repeal the current law, which prohibits state agencies from operating voluntary surrender and destroy programs for voluntarily surrendered firearms. Currently, state agencies are required to sell these firearms at public auction or keep them for their own use. Yeah, nobody loves to see the death of a perfectly good gun. Bill 1285 prohibits law-abiding citizens carrying firearms for self-defense from going on school grounds except when picking up or dropping off students and only if the firearm remains in their vehicle or is otherwise authorized by the school board. Hmm. House Bill 1143 repeals limited liability for manufacturers, distributors, dealers, and importers of firearms and ammunition. That kind of conflicts with a federal law, but okay. 1350 would have mandated that any... Uh, so these, this is actually rejected. So this is good news. Uh, 1350 would have mandated that any firearm transfer, including temporary transfers, including a firearm safety device. Um, it, so if like, if I temporarily lent you my gun, which by the way is illegal in Colorado to someone that's not in your family. So that's stupid. You know, here, this would really make, have no bearing, but apparently in New Hampshire, you know, where you can still lend a friend a gun provided they're not a felon or something, you'd have to also include with that a firearm lock. That got defeated. 1115 would have prohibited the discharge of a firearm within 900 feet of a non-residential commercial building without prior approval from the landlord. That would have, uh, or that got defeated. But definitely some other things there that are concerning. Mandatory storage requirements, magazine capacity limits, uh, what was the other thing? Something to do with schools, limited liability, repealing that for manufacturers and so forth. Guys, if you're in New Hampshire, or even if you're not, you can still certainly contact these people. They may or may not care or listen, but hey, contact, let your voice be heard, take action. You got it. Matthew, talk to us about Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii, uh, throwing three bills up, uh, to the house, um, House Bill 1902, which would be it's your typical magazine ban uh, limitation capacity uh, dealio. They want uh, to ban any magazine holding more than 10 rounds um, so that you have that. House Bill 2744 place uh, restrictions on certain firearm parts, but it goes beyond like the typical um you know, definitions and expands. So basically they're trying to attack anything that you could potentially build at your home, any, you know, lower parts, but not just those, but broadening the, uh, the, the terminology. Um, and so it would, it would severely, uh, limit the, the types of, uh, even components that you could purchase for your firearm. Um, and then House Bill 2736 restricts ammunition purchases and possession to those who provide a proof of firearm registration for the particular caliber of purchase or individuals who have been designated as alternates uh, to purchase ammunition. So basically just squeezing out the ability to actually, okay, we'll allow you to have a firearm, but we're going to make it so difficult for you to purchase ammunition that the firearm is pretty much useless. So that's Hawaii. Yay, Hawaii. Yeah. 
In Colorado, House Committee to Consider Red Flag Repeal Legislation. This is good news. House Bill 1271 repeals Colorado's extreme red flag gun confiscation law and intensifies the standard for an involuntary 72-hour mental health hold. Now, in Colorado, for years, we've had in place this procedure called an M1. Uh, it's a mental health hold. It's a 72-hour hold, where and it's, it's paperwork that's filed, uh, and you know, that that person's going to get seen by a physician, by a a psychiatrist or whatever. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, I think there's ways to make that system work better and more efficiently and not trample on the rights of Americans. Unlike the red flag law that was passed year last year and all, and it went to effect at the start of 2020, January 1st. And immediately you had, and by the way, these are just the ones that are reported because of they because they were noteworthy. Immediately, you had a woman who filed a a red flag, you know, gun confiscation. She fired filed a emergency or a, yeah emergency or extreme risk protection order against a law enforcement officer in Fort Collins uh, because he shot and killed her son uh, in self in defense. Okay, her son tried to, I'm trying to remember all the specifics of that situation, but he was armed, cop shot him, and she tried to argue, because in Colorado, our red flag law is, supposedly, that for a person to file a red flag, you know, protection order, they have to be a family member, or they have to live in the same household as you or it's got to be a law enforcement officer. Well, so far, some of the false claims that have been filed are people that are claiming falsely that they have some kind of relationship or household, you know, type, you know, connection, that sort of thing. So the cop in Fort Collins, uh, the woman tried to claim that uh, because she brought her son into the world and this cop took her son out of it, that somehow... (laughs) That somehow, I don't know, is really, really strange. It doesn't make sense. And by the way, all of these false claims have been tossed out, but it's tying up our judicial system with stupid false claims. And it, we, we totally called this. We called it with the red flag law thing that this type of stuff would happen. And mm. it is. Yep. Now, I actually don't think that this repeal of the red flag law in Colorado is going to, I don't think it's going to succeed, but I'm hopeful and we should contact our lawmakers here about, by the way, they already had a hearing on it last week. So as of this podcast, uh, unfortunately, the, 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 the news is kind of old. The point being, I have, I haven't heard what happened yet uh, from that hearing last week, but it's still good to let our lawmakers here in Colorado hear about our support of the repeal of this red flag law. Tell us about the Mississippi House. Yes, so Mississippi, and and if I'm the only one who, when you type it out or write it, you you sing it in your head like M I S S I S S I P P I. 
I might be the only one, but that's how I learned it. Um, so this is actually good news out of Mississippi. So they, uh, the House approves legislation to improve state firearms preemption statute. And I'll just go over preemption really quick is basically preemption is saying like you can't have individual jurisdictions making their own laws that may be more restrictive than what the state constitution is. So basically it, it provides you a uniformity as you travel through counties where, you know, you, you don't cross over your gun owner. Uh, and in one county, you can carry your firearm openly. And then the other one, they say no. And all of a sudden, you know, you have to know 72 different you know, laws because there's 72 different counties in your state. So preemption law is really important. This would add state agencies. So which is really important because you, you may not think about it, but like if you have a, like a state highway patrol or something like that, um, they don't work, they, they don't fall under the municipal statutes of the city. They, they're a state run agency. So this would extend that to that, giving you uh, more of a, of a uniformity blanket, uh, you know, uh, uh, protection in Mississippi. So really good. Anytime you see uh, preemption laws in your state that that are for preemption laws um, and strengthening them, always vote yes, because it's really important. Yep. All right, moving on to Idaho. Governor signs shooting range preservation bill into law. More good news. I love this stuff. House Bill 396 has been signed into law. It authorized the Fish and Game Commission to develop, operate, and maintain public shooting ranges and to assist in the location or relocation of shooting ranges, which sometimes happens where sometimes for various reasons, for development reasons and so forth, uh, shooting ranges can come under fire and potentially be closed. So this bill authorizes and also provides some funding to help uh, create and move ranges and things like that. Number two, it empowers the Fish and Game Director to consult with other agencies to identify land suitable for shooting ranges, and three, establishes a public shooting range fund for the purpose of establishing and preserving public shooting ranges throughout Idaho. Every state needs stuff like this. Tell you what, here in Colorado, uh, it is a shame how few public just open shooting ranges you know, options there are, uh, especially along here, along the front range, uh, along kind of the Denver metro area. Uh, you got to go a pretty good distance to get to just a public shooting range. Uh, and even the even the non-public, so the ones you got to have memberships at or whatever that are kind of close to the this part of, you know, that are in this part of the state, uh, there, there's not that many options because uh, a lot of them have been shut down or it's hard to open up and, and start new ones and that sort of thing. Even with all the open land we have, it's it's actually remarkable how difficult it is to open a new shooting range uh, in parts of Colorado here. So cool stuff in Idaho there. And then also Pennsylvania. There's actually a win in Pennsylvania. So we had a win in Idaho. We have a win in Pennsylvania. Good news and bad news, by the way, both in Pennsylvania. Uh, so kind of one step forward, one step back a little bit. But if you'll recall, we talked uh, a while back, I think, about how Pennsylvania, the attorney general was uh, tried to or changed the definition of what a firearm is to basically loop 80% lowers and so-called ghost guns into the definition of a firearm. So that therefore they could outlaw and regulate 80% lowers and so-called ghost 
gun kits. Uh, well, that has been at least shut down for now, temporarily. Uh, there's other things that the state could do to what this was is was was simply a this was a preliminary injunction. Okay, so um, we'll just see where this goes. But this is the first step. And this is the first win. All right. So that's the that's the good news in Pennsylvania. So not over probably, but promising at least. Okay, Matthew. Did you check out the story on guns.com, a Pennsylvania bill directing it would ban direct internet ammo sales and require a $50 permit to buy bullets? Yeah, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. So I kind of mentioned this when we were talking about the uh, uh, the Hawaii laws that they're proposing. Um, in all of these, basically what this is, uh, Pennsylvania House Bill 2344 um, was referred to Judiciary Committee. Um, and what it would do is it would add fees and limits to how um, citizens in Pennsylvania would get their get their ammunition. It, it provide uh, ammunition purchase authorization permit, a four year fifty dollar uh, ammo permission slip controlled by the state police. Um, permits would take thirty days to process, and they would be tracked, and the information retained in a central database. So, if they can't get you to register, you know, uh, universal background checks and register everything, then they'll get you on a list that register your ammunition. Um, when it comes to the act of buying ammunition with a three dollar surcharge payable to the state. Um, no, you know, that's surprising. States want, you know, government wants more money. That's weird. Um, ammo could only be purchased online if it's delivered to a licensed importer. So basically, um, I, I would assume that that would be like an FFL, right? Um, and this would be common practice among Pennsylvania's ordering e-commerce ammo, um, it says further Commonwealth residents under the proposal will be banned from legally transporting ammunition into the state that it was a, that was acquired outside of its borders unless they have a licensed dealer coordinate the transfer. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, this violation w- could face up to a second degree felony. Punishment is on par with involuntary manslaughter. Provides from five to 10 years in prison and a fine of $25,000. Weird. The crazy time in Pennsylvania in if Pennsylvania. this passed. Yeah. Yeah. So some wins and some loses or yep. losses. <laughs> <laughs> Got to work on the grammar there, Riley. <laughs> All right. So uh, that brings I think, us, to, I think, to the bottom of today's stories. Um, yeah, guys, uh, this is not even everything because it's actually impossible for us. Well, maybe not impossible, but it's very, very, very difficult for us to stay on top of all legislative news nationwide, you know, all the different cities and counties and states and also federal stuff. But we try to bring stuff to you that, that catches our eye and our attention. Chances are there, is, there are anti-gun measures being worked on in a county or city or state near you. I encourage you to be good stewards of the Second Amendment and good citizens in that you're actively engaged in the political process and fighting actively to make sure this stuff stays off the books that we Keep the Second Amendment preserved. All right. At least to the extent that it currently is, that it doesn't get worse. Because things are already kind of infringed too much, I think, pretty much anywhere you go. But uh, it is what it is, and, and we can only work to make it a little bit better, right? So, all right. Now, 
before we wrap it up, we've got a giveaway mm-hmm. winner to announce. Matthew, do you want to pull up our giveaway winner? I'm going to do it right now. What is the prize this week? I think it's it a, is a Flight 93 commemorative baseball cap. I got one over there. I don't have it on me today, but it's over there. Yes. All right. Uh, we love the. This is the 511 Flight 93 cap. I love this hat, by the way. If you haven't seen it, uh, the logo on it is awesome because we call it the Flight 93 cap, but it actually has symbols of all the different crash sites from 9-11, right? So you got the Twin Towers, the Pentagon, and Flight 93 in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, all combined into this one commemorative, you know, memorialized uh, logo. Uh, I love this hat. We gave these out at the show last year in Pittsburgh, uh, the Concealed Carry Expo. And uh, so somebody is going to be a lucky winner of, I mean, we still have some of these hats left. We don't have, you know, an unlimited supply. So somebody's going to be lucky and win this Flight 93 commemorative cap. Yeah. This winner comes from our our our, uh, our giveaway, Yep. right? Which you can sign up for concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. And there were only about 120 entries this week, so you had a pretty good chance of winning. Apparently, Uh-oh. people don't think a Flight 93 9-11 commemorative cap is cool enough. Yeah, I don't know. So what's up with you people? <laughs> I was teasing. All right, so Christy's got one of those hats. She loves it. Very cool. So I think I saw this name in the comments, but maybe not. Okay, so the winner... Your first name is Joe. Last name starts with an H, and you have a Comcast email, Comcast.net. So you are the cool. the happy winner. And awesome. Congrats, yeah. Joe. Joe, I, you, you, you kind of caught me off guard. I was supposed to do a oh, drum roll. My bad. <laughs> I was just teasing. I was too excited to let, let him know you won. <laughs> um, yeah. We'll, we'll email congrats, you Congrats, Joe. Joe will get contacted. Yes. This next week's giveaway is for a copy, a digital copy of the Legal Boundaries by State book. This is, you know, we used to push the Traveler's Guide quite a bit, and uh, we decided, you know what, we can make our own book, and we can make it better. And that's that's exactly what we did. So the Legal Boundaries by State book is the most comprehensive, simplified reference guide for any of the 50 states that you might possibly find yourself in or travel to. So, you know, this is to familiarize yourself with local, you know, state laws as, as it relates to carrying and possessing of a gun, concealed carry, uh, all that stuff, magazine limits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Legal boundaries by state. One of you will be a lucky winner of, of a free copy of that book, a digital copy of that book. And honestly, the digital copy is where it's at because, People like to have the physical one too, but the digital one, once you get it, you get access to all updates for life. Mm-hmm. All right. So, whereas the print one, we do print multiple editions a year, it's updated a couple of times a year. So, we try to keep that print copy up to date uh, very, very often, very frequently. But the digital one, you'll have lifetime access to updates. So, make sure you get signed up for the giveaway each week. Concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Yes, sir. So, 
uh, again, support our sponsors. They make everything possible, and you guys, our listeners, make things possible. But uh, to, you know, to keep the lights on, to keep the podcast and the show going forward. Uh, but don't forget that today's episode is made possible by Laser App, L A S R A P P dot com, Next Level Training dot com, and also Ammo Supply Warehouse. Com. Guys, thank you for watching and for being a part of this episode. So with that, we'll sign on out of here and remind you to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.